Medical Frontiers is an informational program sponsored by the Allegheny Health Network. The information featured on Medical Frontiers is intended solely to further the public's general knowledge of current developments in the field of medicine and should not be relied upon as offering advice, diagnosis, or opinions as to any individual treatment or problem. Nothing should replace the relationship that you maintain with your personal physician. Well, good evening. Dr. Gerald Pfeiffer here on Medical Frontiers. And how are you tonight, Rob Pratt? I am fabulous, sir. Thank you for asking. That's great. Still wintertime. Still wintertime. Snow's coming back. Yep, but spring's coming. That's right. Yeah, right. It's that time of the year. At least Punxsutawney Phil said spring's coming. (laughs) But I've never believed him from the very first time I met him. That's right. They told me the other day that Punxsutawney Phil is in exile on some tropical island, you know, and not paying any attention to what's happening. So I care in the world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As I said, Medical Frontiers, we're talking about heart disease in women, a very, very important subject. And we have two guests here in the studio. They are both cardiologists at Allegheny Health Network, both work at Allegheny General. And um, they've been here before. And it's very interesting that we celebrated Valentine's Day last week, last Wednesday, or Thursday, I guess it was. And um, uh, one of our guests, uh, her name is uh, Valentina. Valentina Ivanova. That sounds uh, like a very colorful name, doesn't it, Rob? Like uh, I love it. Like a movie star. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Valentina Ivanova. Dr. Ivanova, welcome back to Medical Frontiers. And I ask you before the show, you were not born on Valentine's Day. Right? No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to Medical Frontiers. Thank and you. As I said, she is a cardiologist. And and um, what about women? I heard a little promo uh, that's going to be on Facebook. But what's different about women uh, as far as heart disease is concerned? Or is it just like taking care of men? Um, hi, everyone. And thank you for having me back on the show. Uh, In uh, regards to answering your question, uh, obviously, um, women do have some differences comparing to men um, in uh, also in cardiovascular disease, how the uh, uh, disease presents. Uh, Two thirds of the women, when they present with cardiovascular disease or even with a heart attack, they don't have classical symptoms as we usually Mm, know that it's chest pain, clenching chest pain, maybe the uh, um, um, sweating, not feeling well, and like all this portrayed on, uh, you know, everywhere on uh, bulletins or in in movies and everything. So it's not that. Two-thirds of the women, it's a big, big number, would present with some very vague symptoms that they tend to ignore. These symptoms may be just feeling like a flu symptoms, some nausea, uh, not feeling well overall, uh, and so on. And uh, women not really, uh, you know, paying attention to the symptoms till it might come to the point when it's going to be either late or till they realize it's something serious. Or uh, when they present, they were very surprised that we find that they're having ongoing heart attack in the hospital. Okay, very good. Well, welcome back to Medical Frontier. As I said, we'll be talking a lot more about uh, heart attacks and heart disease in women as we go along. We also have uh, another uh, woman who is a cardiologist, and she is no stranger to Medical Frontier. She has been here before, 
and she t- said, told me that she's sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> Because she was yawning a little bit when I was talking to her before the show, and I hope that she doesn't fall asleep. I don't think she will. But uh, <laughs> but welcome back, uh, Dr. Uh, Anita Red, Red Ha Krishan. Radha Krishnan. Red Ha Krishnan. Okay. Thank you. And it's nice having you here. Thank you. And I may call you Dr. Anita. Yes, you're welcome <laughs> to. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, uh, your colleague here, uh, Dr. Ivanova, said that uh, women have some, you know, oftentimes two-thirds of them will have some different symptoms and so on. But also, you know, a lot of women are, are married. Uh, they have husbands. They have children. They have jobs. And sometimes their health is not at the highest priority as far as their concerns, right? Uh, absolutely. Um Women, we are always taking care of our loved ones, our friends, our families, our children, and we always put ourselves last um, in that list of things to do. And so, and I'm guilty of that as well. So it's not uncommon for us to ignore our symptoms or say, I'll get to it eventually um, and not bring it up to, uh, you know, your family and most importantly to your doctor. And so not bringing this up and delaying um acting on your symptom can uh, affect you in a bad way in the sense that you could be missing important cardiac symptoms and, and a later diagnosis. And that's why we do a show like Medical Frontier, sponsored by Allegheny Health Network, because we want women to be more aware of some of the things that they may not really recognize as health problems, right? Correct. And so that they, because the earlier they can be diagnosed and seen, uh, the better off, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, we were talking, I was talking with Rob Pratt a little earlier about the changes in medicine as far as heart disease is concerned. And I said that I thought that one of the things that was causing a, a, a decrease in the need for heart catheterizations and and open heart surgery and so on was the statins. Would you agree with that? Uh, and, and, and better care, but also the statins as a medication has done wonders as far as keeping the disease uh, somewhat under control. Yeah. Uh, the statin medical therapy, uh, they're one group of medications, and there's not a lo- whole lot out there in the field of medicine, but one group that has definitely shown to reduce mortality. Um, it is a very important drug uh, or group of drugs that's used to treat coronary artery disease that we, uh, once we either find via non non-invasive testing or via a cardiac catheterization, um, or even just based on your risk. If we feel you're high risk for coronary disease, we, your doctor will talk to you about statin therapy. And appropriate doses and appropriate reduction will reduce your risk of a heart attack or stroke. Okay, and, and Dr. Ivanova, risk can be defined in what is the likelihood of somebody having difficulties because of some disease, right? Correct. And uh, when uh, we have our patients that come, uh, we definitely talk to them about the prevention of disease. And uh, to start the conversation about prevention, we need to define the risk factors people do have. There are two different types of preventions of the disease. We have primary prevention and we have secondary prevention, as probably everyone knows by now. 
And uh, primary prevention is the one uh, when person comes and uh, they might not have any symptoms yet, but they have maybe family history, which is one of the risk factors. They might have some other diseases, which might be one of the other risk factors, like high blood pressure. Um, and uh, they don't have any cardiac disease diagnosed yet. But uh, we uh, definitely talk to them about the risk factors and prevention of the cardiac disease. Okay, great. All right. This is Medical Frontiers, and we're talking about heart disease in women tonight. Give us a call at 866-391-1020. That is also how you can text us on the right automotive line, and that is 866-391-1020. Also, you can email us on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with our two experts tonight. They can answer your questions. We'll be back after the break. Okay, we are back on Medical Frontiers. We're talking about heart disease in women tonight with two cardiologists from Allegheny Health Network. And why don't we go right to our phone lines. Pam in Washington, PA. Pam, do you have a question? I do. I was just wondering what, if any, is the effect of long-term SVT. I had complained of this for about 15 or 20 years before I finally had some um, monitoring that actually documented um, some problems, and I did have the ablation a few years ago, um, and I was fine up until this year when they diagnosed me with high blood pressure. So I'm wondering if that um, SVT long-term has caused any problems. Okay. How about that, Dr. Anita? Uh, tell us a little bit about what she is talking about. Yeah. So SVT, mm-hmm. otherwise stands for supraventricular tachycardia. It's a um, heart rhythm that disturbance that occurs in the top chamber of the heart. So um, SVTs can be, you know, especially symptomatic and give you palpitations and a very uncomfortable feeling, like I'm sure it did for you. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It's, you know, difficult to tell for sure if the if the SVT had anything to do with high blood pressure, um, just considering that you had your SVT first and gotten that taken care of. But, you know, arrhythmias, as to whether they truly give you a problem or not, depends on whether your structurally your heart is normal or not. So usually what the doctor will do is, is, is order an ultrasound of your heart and they'll be able to tell whether your heart structurally looks normal. Like, for example, do you have any valve problems that's causing your SVT? Or do you have very extremely high blood pressure causing your SVT? Or is there, are there some sort of congenital heart disease causing your SVT? Or do you have, you know, bad coronary disease and ischemic heart disease? So if there's another structural heart problem and then you have SVT, there's a very good chance it's related. You could get a cardiac arrhythmia and have a structurally normal heart and then over the time course of, you know, as you get older, develop hypertension, which women do get just being, you know, if you're in the postmenopausal stage because your risk is higher. Um, so I'm yeah. not sure how long ago your SVT ablation was, but it could be two independent things and likely not related. Okay, thank you. Okay, sure. thank you very much for the call. It was a good question and also a good answer. All right, let's go to Michelle and Elizabeth. Good evening, Michelle. Hi, I, hi good evening. I have um, a question. My brother uh, passed away, and he uh, was 56 and had LVH, was on the death certificate. Um, and then 
so I went and got checked just to make sure I didn't have whatever. Uh, my heart ultrasound showed everything was great. Uh, the only thing is when they did this CT, they found a minimal amount of plaque, and I'm 56, and I'm debating on whether to do the uh, statin drugs, the Lipitor, since it was such a minimal amount of plaque. And okay. I don't have high blood pressure or any other issues. And, Michelle, how old are you? I'm 56. Okay. Same age as your brother when he passed, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Dr. Ivanova, uh, first of all, why don't you tell us what LVH uh, stands for? And her brother passed away when he was 56, the patient's age. And then we'll take up the second part of her question. Sure. Um, so LVH stands for left ventricular hypertrophy. And left ventricular hypertrophy, um, it means it's a thicker heart muscle. It's diff- the etiology or causes of that are, you know, multiple. I'm not sure what exactly um, caused your brother to have LVH. Uh, one of the most common causes uh, would be a high blood pressure for a long time. Also, there are some other diseases uh, which can be even genetic that cause uh, um, uh, left ventricular hypertrophy. So that's to answer the first question. And uh, to answer your question about um, you being tested, it's good that you don't have left ventricular hypertrophy, that your heart is uh, structurally normal. But uh, having a little bit, as you said, of plaque, I do not have your study obliquely in front of me. I don't know how a little or much you do. We do usually have the calcium score, and we determine by calcium score uh, how much of a plaque you have and how much of a plaque burden you would have based on your age and gender and what the score that specific score means to you i would definitely advise you to have sorry what was that i think my score was four or six okay so i would definitely because it's a kind of a little bit longer conversation but uh i would definitely advise you to schedule appointment with the cardiologist and definitely discuss um you having already some uh, uh, atherosclerotic plaque burden and how did it affect you in the future? But at this point of time, uh, your risk uh, definitely higher for developing cardiovascular disease uh, if you do have uh, uh, atherosclerotic plaque burden. Okay, does now, that answer I'm your question? Hesitant on the um, the side effects of the Lipitor. That's my only concern. Okay, so. Um, Usually everyone, I mean, many of my patients who I see on daily basis in the office have this question. they always concerned about side effects of a statins, uh, which Lipitor is one of the statins that we do use uh, for treatment of um, hyperlipidemia or high cholesterol level. Um, so not uh, uh, many people, it's very, very small percentage who do develop the side effects, which is uh, myopathies, or uh, we can uh, say it's a disease of the muscles and uh, a little bit of muscle destruction, muscle pains and aches. So this is a very small percentage who develop a true uh, side effect of statin. And statins are, despite of what you hear on TV on everyday basis, are um, benign medications medications overall. So there is more discussion happening between you and your cardiologist when you have the appointment. Okay. Okay, okay. okay Michelle? 
Thank okay. you very much. Okay, thank you very much thank for the you. call. And, and this is what we were talking about, early diagnosis, then you can jump in there, and if there's treatment that is uh, advised, then you can get the patient on a program of treatment. Sure. So it's it, it's good to discuss this with your PCP, with your cardiologist, and, and a program then can be outlined for you. And then, then it's also very important that you uh, are compliant and you follow the advice. That if, and if you have been advised to take medication, you know, take the medication as you're advised. And, you know, the, the question about statins, there are a lot of them out there now. And if one causes a side effect, the next one may not. Isn't that right? Correct. Um, there is also a different, uh, um, in, in the subgroup of the group of statins, there are subgroups of medications, right? There are different potencies medications from mild to moderate to high potency medications. And based on the each individual that we see in our office, we make a decision what is appropriate statin therapy for this patient based on their risk or symptoms or on their presentation. And not all the time patients are started on right away on high potency, very high dose of statin. Absolutely. And each patient is an individual and treated as a unique person and, and not given a shotgun treatment like to everybody. That's why right now we do have uh, uh, we do treat patients not based on their cholesterol level as we had in our previous guidelines from 2000 before even 2013 and then guidelines changed in 2013 and most current guidelines changed again in November of 2018. <laughs> um, so we never treat to the goal right now of the numbers. We determine the risk uh, for the specific patient also based on their cholesterol level and that determines how we treat and uh, you know and the the strategies how we approach every every single individual okay and dr. Radhakrishnan during the uh, break we were talking about additional risk factors that women have why don't you say, mention something about that yeah so you know the usual traditional risk factors that are common between men and women both of us know uh, by the American Heart Association and other community services the you know heart disease in women over the last 20 30 years have anything have have reduced, especially in women greater than the age of 65. But we have noticed that in the younger population, you know, women around less than 55, the risk of heart disease has not reduced and it's actually increased more recently. And so it's really important to understand what the risk factors are in the young women and why they're at such high risk for for cardiovascular disease. So, you know, you know, women-specific risk factors are, or perhaps time periods and risk factors are, number one, um, you know, women that are pregnant. We've seen that that women that are pregnant that develop gestational high blood pressure during pregnancy and diabetes during pregnancy have a high risk of cardiovascular disease and a high risk of high blood pressure and diabetes much earlier in their life. Um and also having preterm delivery has been associated with an increased cardiovascular risk. Um, and the postmenopausal women uh, are also at increased risk just because of the estrogen deficiency that occurs and the increased cardiovascular risk factors that occur. Um, there are multiple others that hopefully we'll get to 
Okay, breast today. cancer is one of those? Breast cancer. Breast cancer itself is not so much, but the treatment modalities with chemotherapy and radiation to your chest increases your risk of heart disease. Okay, so women are unique. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, did you hear that, Rob? Women are unique. I have five <laughs> sisters. I think I've known that a little bit longer <laughs> than you all have, I, right? Well, I have four sisters, <laughs> okay. no brothers. We you know. get it. We and get it. We grew up with all that estrogen and progesterone in our families, right? I wish I could go back today. <laughs> hey, you bet. Okay, this is Medical Friend. And we're talking about heart disease in women. Give us a call at 866-391-1020. And as we said before, that text line sponsored by Wright Automotive, also 866-391-1020. And Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com is how you can email us. We'll be back. The following program is paid for by the Allegheny Health Network. We're back on Medical Frontiers talking about heart disease in women. Our phone lines have been hot. We have a couple of lines available right now. 866-391-1020 is how you can get in touch with us. Let's go to Deb. And um, thanks for holding on, Deb. And you have a question. Um, hi. Uh, I was wondering if one of the doctors can comment uh, about any IV therapies such as chelation or alternative treatments um in addition perhaps is there any supplements that the doctors find good results with uh coq10 or any other kind of uh, minerals that they advise their patients to take in addition to the um to to medical treatment okay well let's start with dr radhakrishnan uh what what do you think about supplements and let's talk about chelation uh first okay she mentioned chelation does chelation have any any role at all in the treatment of heart disease Uh, so um so chelation is basically a process in which you know the substance that's injected goes and binds to toxic metals and binds to calcium and minerals in your body and uh, supposed to make them basically inactive and um, reduce your risk of heart disease from that. So um, studies have shown that, I think there was a recent study by NIH called the TAC study, and it's still in its very early stages, but they did have a, um, there was some early results that show that there is some modest decrease in cardiovascular um, disease because of it, although the full results are not available enough to, to be able to use it in clinical practice at the moment. Okay, chelation has been very successful, I believe, in things like lead poisoning and so on. Uh, where you can uh, reduce the uh, amount of lead, if it's acute lead poisoning, something like that. But uh, there have been studies, and uh, I guess the results aren't out completely yet to to know whether that would be something that would be helpful to uh, a large portion of the population. Uh, How about uh, supplements? Uh, so, um, about that. yeah, so supplements have been looked at over and over again uh, in studies. And unfortunately, we have no data to show benefit on really any supplement for that matter that could reduce your risk of heart disease. Um, 
I will say that in patients that have very high triglycerides levels, you know, usually, rec- you know, higher than 500, we do recommend fish oil and high dose fish oil only in that particular population, um, you know, using it for just high cholesterol in the absence of very significantly elevated triglycerides, there's no value in fish oil is what studies have shown. Um, and then to answer your question on CoQ10, uh, there the studies have not shown any benefit to reduce cardiovascular disease. Although I will tell you anecdotally, we do have patients that are on statin therapy that have used CoQ10 uh, along with them to reduce the muscular or joint discomfort symptoms. And I think on a clinical, from a clinical standpoint, we have seen patients that say they have benefit from it. Um, there's really no harm uh, when used along with statin therapy. So it can be, it could be tried, but the studies have not shown that it reduces. Um, side effects or reduces your risk of heart disease. Okay, Dr. Ivanova, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, I think Dr. Radhakrishnan covered pretty well because there is no definitely studies that will tell us there are specific supplements or vitamins um, that we need to use for prevention of cardiovascular disease, regardless of women or men. Okay. Okay, Deb, I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much for the call. All right, let's go to uh, Isabel. In Oakland, Isabel, do you have a question? Yes. Hi, doctors. Thank you for my call. Uh, my mom passed away seven years ago from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, she had also aortic stenosis, which was gradually and getting worse and worse. Her cardiologist put her on metaprolol, and Lozartan with HCTZ as a diuretic. Now, I just understood within the last couple of weeks that all these blood pressure medicines were being recalled because of the risk of cancer. Now, I also heard on a talk show on television that a woman was taking the same medication and just recently was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I myself are on a hypertension medicine, um, Tenorman. Am I a risk for cancer? Okay, let's, let's talk about the, the, uh, the, the risk of cancer. And, and that has been fairly recent that some of that medication has been recalled, right, Dr. Ivanova? Correct. And I, I think it depended on where it was manufactured. Correct, exactly. Okay. So um, I will try to kind of a little bit answer your question one at the time. Uh, okay. There is no, there is, it seems like your mom was diagnosed with um, uh, with the uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, and then was put on the medications for blood pressure and for treatment of uh, um, other conditions of her heart. Um, right. There is no, yeah, so it was a little bit on a different uh, scale. So first uh, she was diagnosed had cancer diagnosis, unfortunately, and then was on medication. So there is no really relationship between the uh, uh, losartan that you were mentioning and the diagnosis can- of cancer. Uh, definitely, there is multiple recalls of the medications uh, that happened uh, um, in specific group as losartan is. And uh, um, we know that not every single medication um, from that group was recalled. Only uh, certain medications that were manufactured in um, uh, some uh, factories were 
the uh, compounds of that uh, substance were added to the pill and those compounds not specifically the chemical that's uh, you know chemical structure of the medication but compounds in the pill that uh, possibly uh, were causing the uh, um, cancer. And there is no really specific type of cancer can be caused by that specific compound. And we don't know exactly what type of cancer can be caused, but only because of that, that it's pro-carcinogenic compound in the pill, they were recalled. And uh, what we were doing in our offices when um, this information came out, uh, we were relying on pharmacists and by pharmacy, pharmaceutical companies were given specific um, numbers of those medications that needed to be changed and only those people who were given by pharmacy the specific those specific medications they were changed to the different uh, um, you know the different from the same even group different medications like okay, now should I continue my tenorman I mean, my physician wants me to stay on it because I do have high blood pressure, and it is controlling it, and I do feel better with it. But over a long period of time, am I going to get a risk of getting what she had? Um, and I would advise you to continue your medication uh, mm-hmm. and don't discontinue it, especially on your own and not talking to your physician. Okay. Uh, we definitely have the medications that have been recalled. Pharmacy monitors, pharmacies, I don't know, your specific pharmacy too, monitors it closely and whatever's, whatever medications were recalled, they change them for the safe okay. brands of the same medications. So okay. I would definitely advise you to continue. You're having more risk of developing uh, more problems if you discontinue. More heart disease if I stop it. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your answer. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much for the call. That was very interesting. And, uh, you, you know, one thing, you know, medicine is, is not perfect. And whenever we find something like that, then the appropriate steps are taken. And, and like you said, Dr. Ivanova, it wasn't all of the sartans. You know, it was just a specific manufacturer. And I believe that was a foreign manufacturer, not exactly. manufactured in the United States. In specific series of that medication, even right. from the same manufacturer. So, there was specific series that certain numbers, lot, number. lot right. numbers, right? Right. Okay. Well, very good. Well, this is Medical Frontiers. It's time for us to take a break. Didn't I tell you, women, that this would go fast? <laughs> it's time for a break on heart disease in women, but that doesn't mean that it is not important. So give us a call, 866-391-1020. All our lines are available. You can also text us on the right automotive line, 866-391-1020, and you can email us on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com. Next week, guess what? We're going to be talking about heart disease, not just in women, but also in men, everybody with heart disease next week on the 25th of February on Medical Frontiers. We'll be back. Well, we're back on Medical Frontiers. All our lines are available, 866-391-1020. Dr. Ivanova, how, how long have you been in practice now? Um, wow, it's an interesting question. Let me just yeah. count. <laughs> okay, I stumped her. Um, First thing we for stumped... about For about, what, seven years now? Seven yes. years. <laughs> okay. Well, if you go back and you had some of your, did you have some of your medical training in the Ukraine? Uh, yes, I graduated from medical school in Ukraine. Okay. 
Okay, so going back to, say, the first year of medical school between then and now, a lot has changed as far as the treatment of uh, heart disease, especially in women, is it not? Um, yes, obviously, to go all the way back from the first year of medical school, as you said, it's been like in the last century. <laughs> so, and uh, going to towards now, um, yes, the uh, how we approach the diagnosis of the disease is different right now. The testing modalities are really different. Um, there are many advancements made in so many years um, and definitely advancement, advances made in uh, medical therapy. Um, so the... Um, um, I don't know what exactly your question was. Uh, you wanted to know the well, treatment there, options or no, how no, they... there has been... Uh, my, my point is that there there's better care today. There's better diagnosis and better care. And so, and, and I think better awareness, not completely yet, but uh, better awareness is, yes, is my question, that there has been an improvement. Yes, and we've definitely made a huge step in uh, cardiovascular disease diagnosis and treatment. And now more and more studies come out on what differences are, as we talked about, the men and women in cardiovascular disease. And uh, the we've learned a lot how different uh, uh, women might be in presentation with cardiovascular disease. And uh, as we talked, symptoms is one thing, but then not only symptoms, also how for from you know, from the disease itself, how they present. Uh, the men, uh, when we usually develop the plaque and plaque can rupture and cause the massive heart attack, it's a, we learned that it's typical presentation for men, but for women, it's slightly different. A lot of women can come multiple times to the hospital with chest pain and chest pain. And at first, we didn't know for many years, for many decades, and thinking that uh, it's all, you know, women being more of a emotional and it's not true and those symptoms are not real and uh, then kind of turfing them but they had really true symptoms and uh, by now we know that such entity as a microvascular disease is um, mainly in women presenting and uh, we cannot find anything with our regular studies that we've done for many years from now cardiac catheterization was a gold standard to diagnose the coronary vessel disease and coronary vessels look normal uh, coronary vessels are the vessels that's Apply blood to the heart and they look normal and women still keep coming with chest pain. Now we have different modalities and we've learned a little bit more about it and we can diagnose the microvascular disease and it's a little bit different entity and treatment of it is also different. And those are the tiny, tiny little vessels that are right down there giving nutrition and oxygen to the heart muscle fibers. Exactly, okay. exactly. Tiny vessels which we don't see typically on the cardiac catheterization. Okay, let's go to Jack in Bethel Park. We have a man as one of our callers. Jack, what's up? Okay, Doc, I have a question on the varicose veins in my one leg. Okay. And uh, I, I had a, uh, a nurse came here to the house <clears throat> last week. They come and take the readings and blood pressures and so forth. And the uh, she put some pads across the toes on both legs and took a measurement and I think it the left leg came out severe and the right leg was uh next <laughs> not quite that high but down down one uh, so you were inches. not get, you, you were not getting good blood supply to your legs is that it well 
this is this is the thing. When I wake up in the morning, I I put my uh, leg up higher than my heart. Every morning I wake up, the, the ankle's down. I mean, the foot was swollen quite a bit, and it's been going on like that for quite a while. And uh, I also got some compression socks. Okay. Now, I, I talked to a cardiologist, and again, they don't seem to rectify or, or, or want to push the fact about compression socks. Okay. They don't say that, but I, you know, you can read people. I mean, <laughs> either... You either put them on. They say take them off the day before you come back, and then they can talk again about it. But the okay, what is your specific no way to revive those veins at all? Okay, your your main question is uh, about the varicose veins. How to yes, how, how to help two them. of them. Yes, uh, you, have, you have two two varicose veins. Okay. Yes. Okay, uh, Doctor Radhakrishnan, uh, tell us a little bit about varicosities and swelling in the the legs and so on. And what what kind of uh, influence does that have on making a diagnosis and possible of heart disease? Yeah, so varicose veins are basically, you know, the veins in your legs that become weak. So the veins are yeah. meant to be elastic, and they're supposed to compress and keep the blood. Um, elevated and up, up towards the heart. Um, and when, when you have uh, varicose veins, these veins become weak. And so because of that, you'll start having blood pooling and what we call as edema in your legs. Um, it can be uncomfortable. It can be sometimes not very nice to look at. Um, although there's no, besides the actual, um, you know, discomfort and the fact that it, you know, it itself causes swelling, um, those are the biggest concerns associated with them. Sometimes people can develop some skin changes and some risk for ulcers as well because of those varicose veins. Um, treatment is usually, for the most part, a lot of self-care. We do recommend exercising and losing weight and those basic recommendations, but also wearing uh, compression stockings will kind of cause this compression from the outside and cause the uh, fluid to kind of stay elevated so that you don't develop the discomfort. But there are some surgical options, um, you know, some laser treatment and procedures called sclerotherapy, where they actually go in and, um, and try to... Um, um, you know, using these treatments make these veins smaller or actual surgery where they strip those veins. Okay, and those are injections that uh, constrict the vein down and, yes. and get rid of the varicosity. But also, swelling in the legs can be secondary to heart problems, right, Doctor? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. Swelling, in, it can be difficult when you have some varicose veins, and then on top of that, you also have some heart disease. Because what happens is your heart has, when the heart becomes weak, the heart doesn't pump its blood forward, and instead it starts to move backward and move backward into the lungs and into the veins, and, and you can start getting some lower extremity swelling from that as well. So if you have leg swelling and it's associated with some shortness of breath or um, some nuance at fatigue symptoms, I would bring it up to your doctor to make sure that your heart is evaluated. Well, I have an appointment this uh, the end of the month, and uh, I didn't know perhaps if they removed or took those veins out, would that be... The best move to make, or that—that's hard to say because we don't know exactly what yours look like and how extensive it is. But that's one of the options. There are other options, and so that's something you need to talk to your physician about. Okay, Jack. Okay, Doc. All right. Thanks so much for your call, and good luck to you. Let's go to Jerry in Beaver Falls. Good evening, Jerry. Do you have a question? Yes. Um, just 
up front so that you know, I have like stage three chronic kidney disease and a non-alcoholic fatty liver. And I've been getting progressively short of breath over the past year, year and a half. Went to the doctor about it. EKG was normal. Did an echocardiogram. The leaflets are all flexible, but I had mild aortic regurge. But then they sent me to a pulmonologist, and with the CT scan, um, it showed that I had moderately heavy calcification of the coronary arteries. Now, I had been on simvastatin, but the doctor had to take me off of that because I was getting muscle involvement with that. So I'm not on anything now, just trying to watch what I eat. But I just wondered if there's anything, you know, with the kidney and that. I, I read that, like, niacin, um, you know, is good for cholesterol, but only in high dose, and, but then that can affect the liver. And with that non-alcoholic liver disease, I didn't know. Is there anything I can do? I've also seen on social um, media about things you can eat to reverse no. <laughs> this, whether that's true or not. Okay, well, Dr. Ivanova is going to take a stab at this, and he's comorbidity. She has kidney disease, liver disease. Sounds like she has some some problems with her heart and her lungs, too. So, Dr. Yeah. Ivanova, we have a minute. Um, definitely. So, uh, we have we know by now that uh, people who have kidney disease, they are more prone to calcifications. Uh, they are, they do, they are associated, their kidney disease is associated with heart disease. So you do have already, you know, kidney disease that you know about and you do know that you um, have calcifications in your arteries. This is the time to see cardiologists, not only the primary care physician, but also cardiologist. And uh, even if you tried simvastatin and it didn't work for you for one reason, there is multiple statins that we need to definitely try. Statin therapy is one of the therapies that would be indicated for you and needs to have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with the physician. Okay, we are out of time. Good night for Medical Frontiers. We'll be back in one week with heart failure. Medical Frontiers is an informational program sponsored by the Allegheny Health Network. The information featured on Medical Frontiers is intended solely to further the public's general knowledge of current developments in the field of medicine and should not be relied upon as offering advice, diagnosis, or opinions as to any individual treatment or problem. Nothing should replace the relationship that you maintain with your personal physician.